Hey church, uh, so glad to be with you today. And we are finishing up our series called Multiply Faith Conversations with this last session, which is kind of a, a doozy. So I got <laughs> Michelle here with me again and, and Missy's joining us today as well. All right, so we're dealing with some pretty heavy topics today. We're gonna to talk about church leadership we're talking about church injustices, and then we're going to talk about church framework and, and some of the changes that we've made as a church uh, through this pandemic, coming out of this pandemic, and why we've done that and, and what, what that means for the church in the future. So, um, church leadership. What we really want to talk about here uh, is, is just uh, a lot of things we see on social media and in the news and, and, and really... And we can really only speak to Western church culture um, uh, because that's the church culture we're in and how uh, toxic that can be sometimes. And, and a, lot of these, a lot of these moral failings, fallings, church leaders um, just messing up and, and, and all those things, uh, has, it's caused a lot of people to deconstruct their faith, to, to reconsider church, to to try to figure out, um, is this the type of culture I want to be in? Is this what Jesus represents? Uh, all, all these questions, right? Before we jump into that, I just want to say to everybody that um, the manner in which and the, the, the way you deconstruct something and the emotions you attribute to it have a lot of influence in how you actually deconstruct something. So uh, there's a lot of people who deconstruct their faith with an angry emotion. Well, think about, think about um, you know, a child building a house of cards or maybe like blocks and then just destroying it, right? That is what's, that can potentially be what happens to your faith. And that uh, sometimes like, church leadership we're going to talk about, uh, there's an outside influence that causes that anger and that emotion to come up. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'd also say that for a lot of people, a questioning, a deconstructing, a seeking in terms of trying to figure out what your epistemological foundation is in terms of why you believe what you believe is necessary for your faith. And for the church in general, in each generation, I think it's necessary. I think we need to deconstruct the church and say what works and doesn't. So go back to this imagery of, of, of blocks and, and, and you know building blocks and we have this thing. We could go to the church or we could go to our faith and just like totally destroy it. Or we could approach it in love and say, okay, this piece doesn't fit right, so let's put it to the side. This piece over here shouldn't, doesn't really belong in here, so let's put that to the side. And that way we don't destroy the things that are good, mm -hmm. that should be maintained. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, is what our parents used to say, right? <laughs> or their parents used to say, that's like... Yeah, that's, uh, but we still say it. We still say it, yeah. <laughs> um, we keep the baby, uh, and we throw out what's dirty and what is non-essential and what has clouded or obscured what 
the actual purpose of the church should be. And, and so this conversation and this entire series has been doing that. We've been trying to approach these topics with love. Um, and, and I know it's hard, guys, when, when there's external things or there's people involved who have, uh, who have offended you or done something to you or there's trauma um, for you not to react in anger. But if you're a follower of Jesus, <clears throat> if you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to, to try to put that aside as much as possible and to act in love. And that's what he wants for you, to see the truth of what's in front of you, to see the goodness, and to discard what's, what's bad, um, but to keep and maintain what's good. And so this conversation is going to be a lot about that. It's what we try to do in our church uh, here at Trinity Life in terms of deconstructing the church framework and, and reconstructing something uh, that is kingdom. And so uh, we'll get to that in a second, but let's start off with church. Leader. Well, first of all, do you guys have any comments on what I just said? No, I think that's great. That's like, um, yeah, it's a very helpful way of looking at deconstruction. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a healthy perspective there because, you know, knowing somebody who were a couple generations removed, you know, they put a lot of faith and trust in, in a leader, but then when they saw things that didn't work out, it was just, it was just gone. I don't even think it was like necessarily out of anger. There's probably anger in the beginning, but you know, it just, it has the potential to do that. But I think the point of why you believe what you believe is, is very important. Yeah. And that's, that's a good segue because once, if, if you put too much trust in a, a, a leader of a church, uh, trust is the right word. If you put um, if your faith surrounds yeah. that person, right? Because mm-hmm. hopefully you can trust your leaders and, and you want to. And there's three of us sitting right here. So uh, we want you to be able to trust us. Um, but at the same time, we're to be held accountable and we're responsible in a certain way. And so let's, let's start off here in First Peter chapter 5. We recently preached this passage. Adam did a great job of, of preaching through this for us. This is just... Uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 1 through 4. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So right there, we're talking about the sufferings of Christ, right? Um, and, and so that is the context for how we operate as, as leaders in the church. It's in the sufferings of Christ, not, not in... Um, uh, well, you'll see, you'll see in a second. So as well, he says, in the glory that is going to be revealed. So you have sufferings paired with glory. So you have Christ suffering, but you also have Christ conquering. Uh, so in, in, because of that, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So that, that helps us understand Jesus when he talks about um, being a good shepherd, and he has a lot of imagery and stories around that. So shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So that's just, we'll stop there. That's verse three. So that's kind of the context for us, right? Not domineering, not under compulsion, shepherding, um, exercising oversight, so protection and care and guidance. And that's where the trust factor comes in. Um, and, and then leading the flock. So going out in, in, in front, in a sense, and making sure it's, it's, it's clear. Um, but 
uh, as the next verse says, Jesus is our chief shepherd. So he's really the one who's out in front here. And, and he's the one who's the head of the church. He's the one leading us. I view my role, uh, you know, if you think of, you have this imagery for the body of Christ. Um, people often think the pastor is, is the head. I'm like, well, no, that's Jesus. I view my role as the feet, um, pointing us in the right direction. I hear from the head and uh, I point us in the right direction to go as a church. And so I should be the dirtiest. I should be I, <laughs> I mean, the smelliest. Yeah. The smelliest. Yeah, that's probably a better, better, a better word to use. I'm but smelling yeah. something right now. <laughs> that's that's yeah. her. Um, yeah. <laughs> so and like I should and as he says here, an example to the flock. So you, I should say, imitate me as I imitate Christ, not because. Not because I'm uh, better than you are, but because I'm going, I'm willing to go ahead to show you that's okay. Um, and uh, and we have many of those in our church. A lot of our a lot of our leaders would fulfill that that role as well. Yeah. So, uh, but in the we, we've seen a lot of a lot of uh, celebrity church pastors fall recently. That's definitely system about mega church culture. Um, and Western church culture. Um, but for as many of those as we see, we probably, we probably don't hear of 10 times as many that are falling who uh, don't lead mega churches, who aren't celebrities, who no one even knows. Um, and I know a lot of those stories actually because um, they're friends of friends or you know, something like that. And, and so let's, let's talk about this real quick. Let's, let's talk about church leadership. Um, and let's just start off with, like, how do we guard? Because uh, we're not here to point fingers. Um, we're not here to condemn. We're not here to, to judge. We're just here to say, okay, how do we, how do we move forward? Uh, so how should we respond to and how should we guard against abuses in church leadership? Well, what do you guys, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah. Um, in terms of how to respond, I think it's always helpful to just step back and just look at, try to understand what, how God responds and how he sees it, right? And, um, you know, it's, it's very easy for any kind of um, issue for us to be like, oh, yeah, like point fingers, like them, yeah. me, right? In general, God takes any mistreatment of others seriously, yeah, right? Definitely. And I think like, it's so easy just to kind of make ourselves feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not that bad, right? Mm. Um, so any mistreatment of others is taken very seriously by God. And all throughout the scriptures, we can see that um, he sees and he's attentive to those who suffer at the hand of others. Like he is on the side of people who are taken advantage of, are exploited, are um, not cared for in the way that we're supposed to be. Um, and so for that's, that's the first thing, we have to like acknowledge that. And then um, he, the other thing is he promises like he will avenge, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think like that anger, what do we do with that anger when we hear these things? Like, I think um, we do have to respond. Like, I, I will, I'll get to that. But I feel like just knowing that God is going to make things right. He is going to avenge. So that kind of, um, it, it, it takes that pressure off of us, I think, to... Um, yeah, to, to be God and make things right, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So the, I, I think it's helpful to think about that first. So he does take abuse seriously. Like I heard somebody once say, all abuse 
like any kind of because so many different types of abuses people talk about nowadays like all abuse is spiritual abuse because it impacts our relationship with God it impacts our how we our spirit our um right. and so he takes it seriously and um you know we can talk about that but in terms of a first response like I do think that um we need to take it seriously like when these things happen and not just you know um minimize or and I think we tend to focus a lot on like you said our anger we focus a lot of our anger on the person who has mistreated someone but I think our first response should be to the person who has suffered and um yeah just kind of um being compassionate and yeah because you know we talk about like mercy and grace and um that I think sometimes we we think like oh let's show grace let's like um which is we need to do that with those things but i think that justice can still be grace it's loving right mm-hmm. to hold someone accountable and so um yeah but definitely um showing compassion for the victim so even like when i parent my kids like if my son which he does this <laughs> hits my daughter like my first response is not ah, jasper ah, whatever it's always oh eden oh ouch no right like i side with her and then that already convicts my son <laughs> like mm. he's already oh like so and and then the victim cuz sometimes we ignore the victim right we ignore the person who suffered and right. so there's some there's something about validating and like citing and being showing compassion for the person suffering yeah mm. that's kind of like what i yeah. think as a response guarding is a whole different issue but yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. get there yeah <laughs> i think i think those are definitely certainly good responses is, is first um i think another one is like humility because yeah. i think when we start like pointing the finger and just saying well like Oh, look at what this person, you know, did or didn't do. Like you kind of already elevating yourself that you would never do something like that. Yeah. And yeah. so I think along the same veins in in terms of parenting, I remember like before having kids, you kind of saw other parents and um you're like, "Oh, well, I would I would never do that with my my kids or something like that." And the second <laughs> you say that, would, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're going to you totally do it. Once you have I mean, it just changes the game, right? You so can just set yourself up for failure. Exactly. And so I think that it, humility needs to reign in the situation. It's like a really good important. check for yourself yeah. um, before you just kind of start essentially getting on like some sort of like high house of like how I or high horse, horse, mm. horse. High yeah, horse. high horse. Yeah. Our high grandparents horse. used to say that too, I guess. Yeah, we're on the we're on that vein. Right. I was just My keeping with that. We didn't ride horses. I don't even know what that means. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I think that's a something that will like. like gut check you know and like heart check with ourselves yeah anytime we play judge it's like we have to remove like the plank i think i said that <laughs> in the last message that we did the last conversation so yeah. yeah yeah i think um so so just taking pieces of what you both said um humility yes definitely and then you talk about accountability and um we just get those out of order mm-hmm. right we rush to rush to yeah. holding someone accountable or we think we do by really demeaning someone on social media or pointing the finger or or ju- being judgmental and the reality is guys uh let's just take um let's just talk about like these celebrity pastors who have fought. i mean guys in the past couple years there's been a lot of them and some have come out after people have been have been dead and have already passed and um and i mean we can throw in there there's an epidemic of suicides among young pastors like there's there's a whole bunch of issues surrounding this um and and 
and I say humility first, that needs to happen first before accountability, because oftentimes we think, well, we would never do that, or we know what they're going through, and, and we have no idea. And so, yes, let's go to the, let's not forget about, um, let's not forget about the, uh, the victim, the one who, who experienced abuse under like hard leadership, or there's, there's trauma that the church has done in the past if we want to go into uh, a lot of historical stuff. Um, and we tend to forget the victim because we put accountability first. And so what humility can do is help us surround those who have been hurt by this. Um, and I think we assume that the, the party who, uh, I guess the perpetrator, doesn't feel doesn't feel any remorse for what they did. So we need to make them feel remorse. And uh, that can be the case sometimes, but I think a lot of times that's not the case. And we're just, we're just beating down uh, somebody who also needs love. Has experienced that, right? I mean, you made a good point about like not knowing what they're going through. And it's not to give excuses or a pass for what was happened, but like, I mean, we're talking about church leaders, like, ministry is hard. It's 24 seven. It doesn't shut off. You know, I mean, I, I've, you know, personally experienced this in, in our home. Like there's, there's like a lot of like, like constant stress and anxiety that's going on in place. Right. So these are things that, you know, we need to recognize as well, you know, like, like look to not just, okay, what happened, but maybe like the why and how it got to this point and how, you know, coming alongside to, um, be a brother and sister in love and humility will be really helpful because it just, yeah, yeah there's. This reminds me like I, um, in the past, I went through a situation where somebody in our community, a leader went through a failure. Um, and I remember hearing people respond to that and somebody very lovingly in our congregation said, this is all of our failure because like we failed you, we like, and so I think that like, that acknowledges that um, at the end of the day, um, this could be all, any of us, this could be all of us. And there is, and we can talk like again about guarding because I think there are specific things like we, like yeah. that could prevent these issues from happening. Um, but yeah, I think that's so important. God is so compassionate towards every wrongdoer, every person who, and even in like, I think of David, like he sends messengers. He is like patiently waiting for even, um, for us to repent when we, so I, we don't want to be God and like play judge and try to like rush things. Like just also trust God, right? With his, his, his way. Um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, you're right. Who's patient and gracious with David? Who he made some pretty egregious errors, yeah. um, abusing his position, like, abusing right. his Power. position, yeah. and he was blind to it. He didn't even realize. Some, I mean, Nathan tells him this story about another guy that's it's parallel to his story, and he doesn't realize he's that guy. Um, he was so he was so blinded, and but when someone comes in there and and speaks on God's behalf rather than on their own behalf. Uh, and I think that's, that's the issue sometimes. People think they are speaking on God's behalf, but um, when you speak not in the fruit of the Spirit, guys, you're not speaking on God's behalf. Sorry. Like, and, and that's what most of social media is. Yeah, and it's like not patient. It's not, not kind. It's not loving. 
Um, right, yeah. right. And uh, like Missy was saying, um, we don't, a lot of what uh, everyone doesn't realize about church leadership, and again, this isn't excuses, this is not justifying anything, because it's going to lead into what we're, we're going to talk about next in terms of guarding, is uh, what, a lot of what you don't see is um, the hours uh, of prayer uh, behind the scenes, the tears that are, that are shed in the home. The, the, like, it's not a job, guys. It's not, you don't clock in and clock out. Like, it's spiritual always warfare. here. Yeah, yeah spiritual, spiritual warfare. Yeah. The emotional stress of it. And, and I think that says something about the culture of how we do church, mm-hmm. and, and in particular, uh, the, the Western church. And I've been reading through the Gospels recently about just specifically looking at how Jesus leads and how he's there um, shepherding his, his disciples. And it doesn't look like what, we, uh, what the church typically looks like. Um, today and and so uh, let's talk about guarding like how do we now create a culture where um, we guard more of this from happening and we can we can reduce this because uh, like recently just in the past couple weeks Missy and I we know somebody who was leading a church thriving looks like the church being blessed Um, I mean People were coming to faith, all this stuff, and then there's a moral fail, failing of of the of the pastor who'd been there for decades um, since the beginning. Plant, yeah, founded the the church, and um, and and so that like that's just in the past couple of weeks, and uh, and the church immediately kind of cut him off. So they're not like, and and I get it, guys. Like he has he. He's he has a different level of responsibility because uh, he's supposed to be an example and and you know what we read in in First Peter five, um, but it's almost like you're not a brother in Christ anymore. Or it is like that you're not a brother in Christ anymore, and so he's completely isolated now. Um, he's like um, kicked out of the camp, right? Um, and he has no all his relationships he ever knew. He doesn't have those anymore, and so he's just like out there in the wilderness, and he's. Uh, and he's one of those, he didn't lose his faith. He still, he just, he made some egregious errors. Yeah. Um, and, and so how do you get someone like that to get back, to, to get back into following Jesus um, with passion and fervency? Uh, but then the church, well, they're like, oh, well, that's just him. They're not, they're not addressing their church culture. They're like, oh, we'll just bring in the next person. Into the same culture, and you're like, oh, wait a second. Um, yes, there's responsibility here with individual, but how do we take responsibility as a church? Yeah, like this is all of our failure, right? right. Uh, as a community, um, I think there are some pretty like important things. Like we talk about, like you said, mega churches and all that. Um, but I feel like accountability is important. And what I mean by that is, it's kind of like it sets you up to avoid hiddenness, avoid Mm -hmm. things from getting worse. Because I will tell you, none of this stuff happens overnight. Like there is not a, like these stories you hear, it's not overnight. It's like little things along the way, people get away with things, they get away with it. They're more and more blind. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's even worse when they know what they're, like they, 
like that, that that's like true abuse like when you know what you're doing yeah. and you're yeah. doing it right and that i think actually that's more severe and i think that um that needs to be handled like differently like there has to be consequence there has to be like right. um yeah. for sure um so accountability like everyone should be accountable to someone we should be have people around us um um people uh, like everyone there should be room for everyone to be corrected and disciplined and like it, it shouldn't be like oh we're not we're above that or you know everyone should have that um mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah and that, that's like and it's love like discipline is love right it's not allowing someone to continue in their sin right so um yeah those are some some things like i would say accountability is really important um yeah avoiding hiddenness yeah so that's good. Now, what does that look like? Yeah, what does it look like? So, flesh that out. Yeah, like um, a lot of because a lot of church leaders they they had this environment and they didn't they didn't necessarily mean to construct this environment, but it became an environment where no one could challenge them. Yeah, it's also not safe. Like we've created a church culture or ch like where it's not safe for leaders <laughs> to like confess their struggles because people put them on a pedestal, right? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. so I feel like especially leaders should have safety like in sharing like their struggles where they're, you know, um, and it's like as soon as someone makes a mistake, it's like we, we like, like you said, cancel culture we talked about before, we cancel them. And it's like, well, that's why they're not confessing things because they're afraid. Yeah. Like, so, I've, yeah. So, guys, in our church, Trinity Life, in the early years, I confessed a struggle to somebody and then they used it against me. That's like that's that's the hardship of it. Right. And and uh, that's that's tough when uh, when you're in a leadership position and that happens. And I'm like, well, how can I? Who should I trust with these things? Um, and leadership is very isolating. Um, like, and, and really, uh, because of my role in our church, no one really knows what I carry, not even Missy. Um, and I try to share and I try to, but, but in conversation, it's, it's tough. So it's very isolating because of that. And, uh, and, and so it's, I recognize the difficulties in creating a culture of accountability. Um, and we'll get to this more in our church, but in our church, that's why we have a team that, that helps lead this church and not just one, not just one person, not just one person. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that like, so one, one thing that can help alongside with accountability is like ownership, right? Like I remember, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, so, you know, somebody was saying like, well, well what are you going to do about talking to, you know, I think maybe you, Mike, or, or even me, like, well, what are you going to do about this in the church? And, it, and, and we need to change language to we and us, you know, yeah. I mean, even in on this is outside of the church context. But, you know, I worked for a company for a long time where it was a very flat organization and everybody had to have a piece of ownership to what they did. Um, and it ran so much smoother that way. Right. Because it wasn't everybody just looking to you know, one person to get something done, everybody owned their percent and, and did it, right? right. So right. that has a lot to do with it. And, and just one more thing on this um, before we start to transition. Uh, I, and uh, Michelle kind of talked about two different groups here and there may be more, but there are some people who are just really, who have intentionally sought to abuse and do things 
the majority of the people I know and that I've talked to and dealt with, um, they never intended to hurt people. They, they didn't get into ministry and in church leadership and saying, you know, at year 20, after I've planted this church and, and uh, given my life for this and, and built this thing up with Jesus, I'm going to have an affair with my wife and ruin everything and throw it all away. Like, I don't know any, uh, I haven't had a conversation with any church leader who said, that's why I started out in ministry, to throw my life away um, after 20 years of giving my life to this. Um, and I think that's helpful for us to recognize because you can, I mean, there's so many people you can name over the past decade who we just pushed aside instead of recognizing, oh man, they just lost their way. Mm -hmm. Um, and how do we get them following Jesus again and being, and, and, uh, being a child, walking as a child of light. So, um, but as Michelle was also saying, as you're saying, um, there need to still be real consequences. That doesn't absolve uh, from that. Yeah, and and it's this is such a complex issue. It's not that simple. It's not like um, so. It's really challenging. Um, but I think like those cases where those situations happen, like again, something allowed that to happen as well, right? So yeah. anyway, I just we definitely need right. to change the way we are doing church. And just to be clear, accountability is not just for leaders, it's for everybody, everybody. in the community. Yeah. Everyone, we all need this. Yeah. Um, because collectively as a church, when we fail, that impacts the world, right? Like everyone's watching us, everyone, um, we are representing Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody needs it. It's not just, oh, that's just on the pastor or the leader or like, yeah, everyone needs it. So anyway. So these are, and we're, we're kind of talking inside the, the family here, the family of the larger family of God, the universal church here. Um, very rarely do pastors falling and failing make global news yeah. or, or history. Um, uh, uh, so, but there have been church injustices that are a record of history, that yeah. are global news. So. Um, and I mean, here in Canada, we've recently had one of those where everyone's really now saying, okay, we, we have to rectify this injustice that was done, um, that the, that the Catholic church perpetuated for, for years and that the government was complicit in or, um, partners in. And so, um, so we've been, that's been very much in the air here in, in Canada, uh, but we can go even for, I mean, there's, there's so many instances here. So how do we respond as followers of Jesus? How do we respond uh, to, to these injustices? What do we do as a church? But also, how do we respond when someone talks to us about these things? Yeah. Um, maybe who is outside the church. Yeah, I don't know um, what your experience is like, but definitely... Um, more so in our generation. Maybe it's always been around. I don't know. I, I don't have the benefit of knowing people, many people. I'm the first Christian in my family, so I don't have like, you know, lots of parents and grandparents who knew Christ. But what I've experienced is that's the first thing that people want to talk about when you share your faith is like all the stuff that the church. And you feel this like, I have to apologize on, on behalf of the church because we have failed. And so that's like, um, you know, again, not separating ourselves, like us versus them, like we are all, I love what you said in a video, a post I saw on, on our social media, 
in response to the injustice saying like, oh, a lot of people can say, oh, that's the Catholic Church, right? They did that. But like, there was a church or like the church was like we were everyone else was around and we allowed it to happen so we're all responsible right and so i do think that having that humility again and also just recognizing that acknowledging that yes it wasn't right yeah. it wasn't right and just that is like a first step it's not right um it's not god's will like for these things to happen yeah. um but yeah and sorry i was just gonna say i think immediately when an accusation gets leveled, most people put up their guard or go on the defensive. And uh, and as the church, most people that I know who have talked about these things would, would not apologize. They say, that wasn't me. They say, yeah, that wasn't me. Well, that's not the church. That's like those who, they try to make a distinction. Those are Christians. Yeah, those aren't <laughs> real followers of Jesus. And Guys. you're like, <laughs> you're talking to people, like you can't split hairs to someone outside the church like that. Um, and that's that's a legit argument, Like, but they're associated with what we call the church. Um, and and so, yeah, I love, I love just the humility, apologizing and recognizing those up front. Uh, it's, it's, it's empathizing. It's, it's basically what you're talking about with Eden. It's what, it's how you, it's how you empathize and uh, you do this in raising kids and counseling with your spouse, with your friends. You start by recognizing, yes, that's, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. That's an egregious error. Like, yeah. I want to be with you in, in the pain of that. Which is so disarming, you know, like for the person, you know, it, yeah. it may like catch people I've had off that guard. Yeah. Exactly. And I would even go a step further because I think like Christians had this reputation of being hypocrites and being like above whatever, right? I would even quote First Peter four seventeen for it is um, time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it yeah. begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not? Be? And I just think of like guys like. I, I tell them the church will be held, held accountable. Like we will be held accountable mm -hmm. for these. Like God, at the end of the day, he's going to make things right. He is going to. So there will be, we'll be held accountable. And just kind of like separating the church from God. Like, because I think um, people will look at the church and then therefore reject God, right? And just acknowledging that God is not like this. And I think that also needs to be said. Um, but yeah, that's, that's like one thing. Yeah. Yeah, and people are leaving the church, or they see the the gap between the church and who who they they understand Jesus to be, and who God is. And I mean, I there's a lot of people who are saying, well, Jesus says that, but the church doesn't look like that. Mm -hmm. So why would I want any part of that when you say you're following Him, but you don't look like that? Mm -hmm. um, and that has been a big impetus for us, has been one of them, to, to, and I've always questioned the church and how it should be. I mean... Me too. Um, and... <laughs> Most leaders do. Yeah. yeah That's why yeah. we want something better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just, yeah, we want something that is supposed to be doing what it's supposed to be doing, yeah. right? Like living on mission and changing lives and bringing people to, to Christ instead of just doing our church things. Yeah. Um, and so what we've done, you know, you have church leadership, you have these church injustices, and I'm saying, and we've said, 
how should that affect our local church, our church in particular, Trinity Life Church? What does it look like for us to say, you know, that's not healthy. That's bath water that we need to get rid of. That building block doesn't fit and, and change that. And it's very rare that actual innovation happens in the church. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the best we get in creativity, I think, is like new worship songs or a smoke machine. Like in lights, like instead of like, how do we actually reconstruct church polity, like church governance? Like, why aren't we thinking about that? How do we actually reconstruct the framework of the church? And how do we get back to the kingdom? And, and so those are all these questions like if we're to be making disciples and we're not making disciples, something has to change. And if you say that to most church leaders today, they say, well, we are making disciples. I do discipleship for 40 minutes every Sunday morning <laughs> when I preach a sermon. No, that, that's not life on life. That's not, that's not life together. Um, that's not the one another lifestyle. And, and so how do we make the church an actual discipleship, um, uh, you know, what we say, organization, machine? Like, how do we make it? Uh, a true family of God where we're living life together as, as disciples. So those are the questions we've been, we've been asking. Um, and our church has moved forward in that. We've talked, we talk about our threes all the time. Um, someone asked me recently, I don't understand. So you guys meet here sometimes, but you, they didn't really get it. And I'm like, okay, how do I, um, how do I get you the answers that you're searching for? Cause they're just trying to understand like this shift in, and they're brand new to our church, but they're trying to understand this shift in traditional church. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about how, how, how has this shift been for you guys? How, um, uh, because here's, here's the reality. We, we just got back from time away for a few weeks and I got back and I, and in those few weeks we were away, I saw um, all these celebrations and I saw, more people than ever inviting people to a church gathering and those people actually coming, yeah. right? Um, uh, because it's hard to invite someone in Scarborough to come down mm-hmm. uh, to downtown, right? Mm-hmm. But you can invite someone in Scarborough to stay in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I've seen that. I've seen people having a direct hand and leading other people to the Lord than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Um, like normally it's like the church doing it or, you know, you invite yeah. your pr- friend to church and like it just happens. But I've seen that. I've seen more people living out on mission than ever before and, and groups doing that. More faith conversations than ever before. And so what we're doing is actually getting to what, to discipleship and what we want to see happen. Yeah. So how's it been for you guys? What is this? What is this? Um, uh, yeah, let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's been what's what's been so cool to see what you're saying is there's there's been a move a shift from like a more of a passivity to like an activeness of of seeing people like you said there's an intentionality between behind conversations with neighbors or or friends coworkers whatever the case may be um, that you know in a in a, in a in a framework where it's harder to invite somebody into something that's um, you know, like on a, on a Sunday morning, it's hard to invite somebody into this huge, large group gathering. Not that that's, that's necessarily bad, but it's harder to get the ask into that. Whereas like a more intimate environment, um, people are more 
open to doing that and we're seeing that you know like you said it's it's been exciting to see sort of like that shift yeah and i feel like this way of like this framework this way of doing church is like it really feels more like we like and as somebody who um has been a leader and has felt isolated in leadership this has been the exact opposite i have i have there's interdependence there's like the real body of christ like using gifts and um and i just like i am i am so like i'm i'm loving it i'm loving this change um everyone like it's not a spectator thing anymore because our world really pushes for that a lot like we just consume, 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 and like you know, it's so tempting to go to church. Like I, I, like I said, I've been a church, like in church leadership for a while. People just come, consume, and then leave. But here, it's like everyone. We're all in. We're all in this together, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah. It's so like I, I can already see how it like that that burden is like shared. Like not burden, but you know what I mean. Like the responsibility, the ownership yeah. is like shared, yeah. and it's like freeing like i just yeah i'm so i'm i'm loving it personally as a leader um and it's such a joy too to see like all the things that you guys are experiencing joy like seeing people do things they haven't done before or seeing more of it um yeah yeah. so so how do we how do you reconcile what we're doing with the more traditional church mindset because there's churches all over our city that we love Mm -hmm. that we want to push forward as well but their model now is completely different from ours um, and uh, I know for, I've had conversations with some of our people and we have did our survey where we heard this from people, they have a hard time saying that's still viable, that traditional church model, um, because they're so into living on mission and what, and what we're doing as a church. And, and so how do, we, how do we reconcile that? What, what is our role in that uh, for our city, for for our country, for, for the church in the West? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. You, you want to go first? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, so there, there's a story in scripture that I want to talk about in a second. But um, I, like, we are, you know, our local, okay, the local church is so important. Like, we, like, we need to be in community with each other, um, in doing life with each other, that close like fellowship um, for all the reasons we talked about, like guarding against, you know, sin and all those things. Um, And God does specific things through each family, right, of believers. So I do not look at any, like, what's the point of comparing? That's not our job. Like we just like, um, and then uh, I think that a lot of churches, like even over the like centuries, like they've done things differently, they've changed, mm-hmm. right? Um, and sometimes when that happens, it doesn't mean that what was happening was bad. It just means maybe God's doing a new thing, right? And yeah. Or he's doing a different thing to reach those specific people. Right. Or So I don't think it's really p- productive to compare. And I think there's this quote that I heard recently and I'm like, ah, oh, and it's like an ancient Chinese quote too. It's like a rising tide lifts all the boats or something like that. Mm-hmm. I heard it, I think people use it to just talk about the economy. But I think that's how the spirit works. Like if we focus not on the church, but on the kingdom, mm-hmm. like when the spirit is moving in a place, like everybody will be built up, yeah. right? All yeah. So our church, the church down the street, the several many churches in Scarborough, they're all doing different things. Um, so I think we can celebrate our differences, but focus on what God has called us to do and be faithful mm-hmm. to that, um, I think is really important. And so the story I was going to talk about is like Paul and Barnabas, like um, they had a disagreement. It was a very sharp disagreement. And it was it wasn't a matter of like um, doctrinal issues or anything. That It was like a judgment call of like, 
what's God calling us to do? And it was over um, Mark, right? Like, they were, should we take him? Should we not take him? They ended up having such a sharp disagreement that they went different directions. But then they took the gospel to like different, different places, yeah. right? So I don't see the benefit of like, yeah, comparing, I think. Um, but I do think we need to be faithful to what God has called us to do. That's like so important. We have to be owning our part of the body of like, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's good. I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that, but I think that like we can, we can talk about how we've heard God and, and where we're going and what we're doing, and we're following in obedience. And it doesn't mean that these, you know any other church isn't doing that because they're doing their thing. But I think what your your point is is valid that it's like distinction of like okay this is what we heard from God and this is we want to be obedient to that and that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, I mean that's just it, right? It goes back to Jesus being the chief shepherd, to us hearing from him, and uh, there's this like. Like, like I was saying, there's this, I always have this question, why are we doing this? Is that necessary? Should we do this? And, and this didn't happen overnight either. This is oh, yeah. years and years and years of trying to live on mission for it's God. Slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's slow. It's felt slow for someone. Yeah. yeah. And that's in this context too, in this yeah. cultural context. So we're not just, just talking about the church, we're talking about the urban context, we're talking about the specifically Toronto uh, urban context. And, uh, and it's necessary for us to, to look at the church in love and deconstruct and say, for our generation, for this group of people here in this city at this time, what is God asking us to do? Mm-hmm. And, and how does he want us to accomplish that for, because we're not going to reach everybody in yeah. Toronto. Um, uh, but how does he, how do we become a part of raising the tide? Of yeah. following and joining in his work. Building up the wider body, right? right? Like living our part and building up the wider. And exactly. yeah, and we, we can have influence as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, there's a couple other things I want to get to, but I don't know if we can do that now. <laughs> um, let's just close with this. Um, how, to someone out there, how can they live, live out in our church's vision and mission and strategy? How can they specifically do that starting today? What do they need to do um, today? And let's assume, uh, well, let's say first, if you're not in an R3. <laughs> that's where I was going to start, yeah. Yeah, let's, <laughs> Be, yeah. Join an R3, get, get into an R3, because yeah. that's where it's going like, to... You're in or you're out. If you're out, that's fine. We're not offended. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're in, like, be yeah. in. Like, right. be in with us. Like, don't be a spectator. Come along with us. And we do desire you to come along with us, because yeah. we're yeah. excited and um, we... Uh, yeah, and so, for sure, that's the first... I think that's, that's the first that's step. That's got to be the first step, um, yeah. And then when you're in an R3, um, I would say maybe shift the, like really have that take on that we Mm -hmm. like mentality like don't just wait like um i think there's like a maturing that happens in our faith like when you're a new christian and you're just like learning um you know the scriptures talk about being like fed Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but then like take ownership of your faith like um yeah anyway that's like it's a distinction it's not it's not um, your our three leaders' faith or or whoever you see in this type of environment, right? Like it's yours, and so 
you and get to own it. They're discipling you to disciple others. others. Yeah, that is the model. Yeah, that is what Jesus asked us to do. Right. Yeah, um, that's what He did for us. And so, if we're going to imitate Him and follow Him, we do that. Uh, we submit ourselves to discipleship in order to disciple others, and um, and that's everybody in our church does that. Yeah. And and so when we talk about our church. We're talking about those people who are in our three groups like mm-hmm. that because they've submitted themselves to discipleship. And so, like Michelle said, we want you yeah. in. So if you're just hanging around trying to wait till we get back to like regular church, um, it's not ever going to get this back. Is regular this church. is regular church. This is church. This is who we are. Jump into R3. Jump into discipleship. It will change your life. It'll transform your faith. Um, and you'll discover your faith anew. Uh, and, and so jump into that. Our contact forms are on the website and, and all that. Because next week, guys, we're going to have a big rally. It'll be our first public gathering together again, our first large group corporate gathering. That's not regular church. We're not going back to the regular old thing. That's a celebration of prayer, praise, prophecy of what God's doing in our church uh, through R3. So it's all the R3s gathered. So um, you can come to that if you're not an R3, but you're going to be like, what's going on? Because, um, or maybe you'll be like, I want to be a part of that, hopefully. Um, so check that out. And um, yeah, gosh, there's so much more I wanted to get to, but uh, we these love are. love having faith conversations. I know, yeah. So um, hopefully, this whole series has been beneficial for you. Yeah. And um, know that this is just the beginning, foundation for us to have these conversations. Have these conversations in your R3. Yep. Keep it going. Yeah, that's that's what it's about. Definitely. It doesn't have to stop, it, does, it keeps, it keeps yep. going. Yeah. Love that. And just do it in humility, gentleness, and respect. Yeah. Let's pray. God, thank you for just this time. And so clothe us with humility and gentleness and respect. Produce your fruit in the spirit so that when we have these conversations in the church and outside the church, that people would taste and see and know that you are good. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.